Hello guys, thanks for joining us today on the Masters of Life podcast. I am your host, Christian, and I interview high performers from all walks of life. My goal is to share with you how they live with intention day in and day out. So without further ado, let's get it. Let's go right here on Masters of Life podcast. What's going on, guys? Molly O'Brien is the owner of A Touch of Lash and is also the creator of the ATOL Lash Extension product line and the lash training company, ATOL Lash Academy. Through the ATO brand, Molly helps clients live their best life confidently and helps other lash artists take control over their financial futures. Molly is passionate about giving women the tools to be successful and grow into the best version of themselves. Molly and her talented team have serviced thousands of clients and taught hundreds of students over the years. As an active member of NALA, a global lash association for lash educators, Molly also dedicates her time to being an advocate for the safety and future of the lash industry. She also works closely with the state board to help keep the governing laws for the industry current and structured. Molly was recently named one of the top 100 women of influence in Las Vegas, was a top three finalist in the 2019 Women of Distinction Awards in the category of Entrepreneur of the Year, and won the 2019 Hybrid Lash Artist of the Year through the Skin Games. She is an absolute influential figure and respected figure in her space, and I cannot wait for you guys to hear her story. And we'll get right to it right after a word from our sponsors. How you doing, Molly? Oh my gosh, thank you for having me. I'm doing awesome. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. And so it is It is my pleasure to have you because um, I know yeah. you spoke at my girlfriend's class. <laughs> and I did. Yeah. And she was like, oh man, you got to interview this girl. She is amazing. She has multiple lawns and just so inspiring. And she was so cool. And I I just want to, I just want to have lunch with her. And I was like, okay, sure. Let me reach out to her. I love her. (laughs) I know. I can't wait to hear you. So let's go ahead and get started here because everybody to know a little bit about you, an interesting fact, maybe about your background that has shaped who you are today. Yeah, definitely. So um, I would probably have to go with um, the biggest one that I can think of in, in like the most recent future has been my daughter's medical condition, actually, which doesn't really sound like it would go with business hand in hand, but it really does because it impacted our family life in every way that you could ever think. My daughter um, last year was diagnosed with uh, cerebellar ataxia, and basically she lost control of her entire body. She couldn't walk, she couldn't talk, she couldn't do really anything that she was able to do. And, you know, her condition is not rare, but her reaction to it is extremely rare, and it's something that the Mayo Clinic has never seen before. So my husband actually, um, he's a professional athlete, and he was playing overseas at the time, ended up having to retire, move home. And we had a one, um, sorry, we had a four week old at the time. So we had a new infant as well. So this impacted our life in more ways than just one, you know, about nine months after she was diagnosed, I realized, you know, I have to kind of step it up. You know, I have to be head of household now. So I really needed my business to, to grow a little bit more than it had. And, you know, we were, we needed to expand. We needed to kind of go to that next level. So um, Layla's medical condition really propelled it forward. During all this you know, crazy time in our life, I opened our biggest location in Las Vegas and hired new girls and just kind of told myself, like, you know, this is our new role. This is our new life. This is what we got to do. You know, the husband, my husband is taking such great care of our family. He's able to really be home with the girls. I'm able to focus on work a little bit more than I ever have. So I took the opportunity to do that. And if it wasn't for Layla's condition, you know, I probably wouldn't have made that move for another 12 months or so. So I really, I think that that would be one that really has impacted our our family life, you know, in the most recent years. Okay. So first off, how is Layla Mm -hmm. now? So she's good. She's a trooper. She's probably like this. I know everybody says this, but she's like the strongest person I know. She doesn't understand what's going on to her body because of her age. She doesn't understand, you know, why she can't or couldn't do things that other kids could do. And, you know, that, that had to be really frustrating for her. But, you know, she wakes up every day with a smile. She's like, mommy, I'm happy today. Like, it's so adorable. Yeah. Um, we just take it one day at a time. The Mayo Clinic's been wonderful. They came up with a shot-in-the-dark treatment called IVIG, and we're actually hosting a blood drive this weekend at my business. 
for Layla. It's called Layla's Heroes Blood Drive. And it's from 11 to 4 this weekend. And it's in Las Vegas. And we're just asking people to come out and donate because that's where we get her, her um, treatment from. It's from donated blood. You know, she's just been kind of thrust in the medical world and didn't really have you know like any say in it but she's been she's been great she really improved with her treatments it's really helped her a lot to gain her functions back she's able to walk again which is awesome she's able to feed herself she plays baseball on Thursdays now and you know just six short months ago like we were at Mayo Clinic like why can't my baby you know walk without falling down 20 times a day why can't she you know, feed herself. Why does she get random fevers? What's going on? You know, so IVIG has really changed our, our life and has given Leela a much safer life. So we are doing the blood drive in honor of her and to get more people out to come and donate. So thank you for asking about her well-being. She's doing much better now. Oh, good. And then, so the blood yeah. drive, do we, is there a certain yeah. blood type? No, no. That is the coolest part about this whole thing is Layla's condition uses IVIG, which is donated antibodies. And every single blood type has antibodies in it. So it's not blood type specific. And this is something that she'll need for the rest of her life um, as of right now, because again, the Mayo Clinic hasn't seen it before. So we're just going to go with, you know, the rest of her life at this point until Mayo Clinic says something different. Um, and then we'll shift gears at that point. But that's the coolest part. Like we're able to, to gather all of this donated blood for not only Layla with IVIG, but for other people that need all of the different blood types that people are going to come out on Saturday and donate. This is something that we're going to be doing all the time. So we'll have another one in September and then we'll have another one in January. So we're going to try to make it like a couple times a year that we'll do this. Oh, okay. Okay. And a big reason for that is because um, the Red Cross has actually a nationwide shortage of donated blood right now. It's only at 3% of people donating in the nation. And because of that, there's a nationwide shortage of Layla's IVIG treatment. So yeah, we're just trying to create as much awareness as possible. And also the, um, you know, there's different uh, medical shows like on TV, yeah. stuff like that. They yeah. sometimes base their episodes off of uh, current events. Sometimes it's sexual uh-huh. harassment or LGBTQ. And then there was one about uh-huh. the shortage. And oh, wow. I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. I kind of just figured that, okay, maybe this is something that's real because usually they do yeah. this about current events. So yeah. That's just affirmation from you. Yeah, totally. <laughs> oh my gosh. So, okay. I know that you've had, or that you came from Illinois. I listened to the, the podcast that you had with um, Las Vegas Money. So why, why, uh-huh. Vegas? why Vegas? Okay. So Vegas happened because my husband is a professional athlete and his trainer is out here. So in 2006, when he was drafted, his trainer left Bradenton, Florida, and moved his operation, which is called Impact Basketball, and he moved everything out here to Las Vegas, and so that's what brought us out here. We were coming every summer in the offseason anyway. It just kind of made sense. It gave us like a home base. It really just calmed down our our world because, you know, every season, at the end of the season, we were packing up our whole life and moving to a different city or mm-hmm. wherever Patrick's contract would take us. So it was nice to have a home base. And Vegas has been very kind to us. It's been a great community. Um, we don't have family out here. Last year, my sister did move out here. But, you know, the, the past, you know, 10 years, we didn't really have family out here before she got here. So Vegas was it. Like our friends were our family and our little neighborhood was our family. And we're very grateful for that, everything that Vegas has provided to us and making it, you know, our home away from home. Yeah. I mean, that, that takes a lot of guts, I think. I mean, that's pretty ballsy. <laughs> So, totally. yeah, so it kind of goes into this uh, next question here, because uh-huh. it seems like you're just a pretty brave person to do something like that. So what is Molly O'Brien's biggest fear? Okay, so I struggle with this <laughs> because <laughs> of my personality type. I'm very good at compartmentalizing things. So my work life is my work life. My personal life is my personal life. So I have, I have a couple of thoughts. Okay, I can't, I can't really like pick just one. So my biggest fear, I think, for my work it's just that like lash extensions will somehow become obsolete and that I won't be able to help women provide for themselves. I get such a high off of teaching women how to create a life for themselves and have financial control over their futures and to grow their business into being these boss babes that we see these big movements going on right now. Like I, I'm very proud of that. And you know, my fear for work with that would be that, you know, it, it just kind of fizzled out or it became the 
the fad that people thought it was going to be back in 2010, um, which I mean, I think we proved them wrong <laughs> because lashes are life. So <laughs> it's just, you know, it's, it's kind of still in the back of my mind um, because the industry is so new. We don't really know how it's going to evolve. So there's just some fears of the unknown with that. But I think that, you know, for my person, I would have to say that, you know, with everything that Layla has been going through this past year with her medical, I mean, obviously, like, hearing the Mayo Clinic say, you know, your baby's not going to make a full recovery, your baby's not going to, you know, she's going to deal with this for the rest of her life. You know, that was really scary. So the unknown with that is always there, you know, maybe thinking that there won't be a cure for her and that, you know, this is something that she'll have to go through. But not only that, but just that the Mayo Clinic doesn't even know long-term with this, you know, is her cerebellum going to continue to have damage on it? You know, what does that look like down the future? We don't know. So the unknown is just scary. Um, and then I do have another one just being like, you know, just, um, I think with my youngest Tessa, with everything with Layla, it's very easy to get preoccupied with Lay and, you know, rushing her to, you know, doctor's appointments. You know, my fear with Tess is that, you know, she's not going to feel the same attention that she deserves or needs. So I spend a lot of my time making sure that, you know, I have these little moments with Tess where, you know, she's only one right now, but just making sure that, you know, she's, loved because my fear with that is that you know she feels a certain type of way or has some resentment or anything like that in the future so it just really keeps me on kind of like a more attentive timeline with her if that makes sense oh definitely yeah and I just try to make every single moment of my day count whether I'm at work or I'm at home with my girls and my husband just making sure that I'm attentive present and, you know, sometimes I feel with that because as a business owner, it's very easy for your work life to come over into your personal life. Like, you know, the phone's ringing or, you know, a client has an issue and it's, you know, I'm sorry, baby, I, I can't go play, you know, basketball right now. I have to, you know, I have to deal with this work issue. Like, give me a minute, you know? So I just try to make sure that whatever I'm doing, I'm present in it. And then that, I think, keeps my fears at bay because I know I'm working at each one of those fears in that moment. Yeah. And I think that I think a listener should take really from that is um, success comes from balance in all yeah. of those little sections of our lives. And yeah. like you said earlier, I mean, why we do, why you were able to achieve this dream and why it shaped you is because of your mm -hmm. family in the first place. Yeah. So we yeah, forget. it's all connected. <laughs> mm -hmm. <Yep. laughs> totally. So um, you've been in business for about how long now? Um, so I learned how to do lash extensions in 2009 when my husband was up in Toronto, Canada playing. So, um, it's been a long time. I've, I've seen the industry change and grow and the things we were doing back in 2009, I cringe at, I almost want to reach out to those clients and just say, Hey, I'm really sorry. Come in. I'm going to call your service. <laughs> I'm going to show you what lash extensions are really supposed to be about. So, um, it's, it's been a long career for me. Um, and a surprising one, honestly, because I actually have a four year collegiate degree as well that I'm not even using. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it's been cool. I, I shouldn't say that I've never used it. I did use it. I was a, a softball coach at Brandeis university and up in Toronto, Canada as well at the uh, university of Toronto. Um, but they were only one season long and, you know, it wasn't very much time. The majority of my professional life and career has been spent in the lash industry and owning the business. So yeah, it's been about well, 10 I years. Mean, Marcus Limonis, like he said mm -hmm. that college, just because you don't use your degree, it doesn't mean you didn't get anything from college, right? You learned the discipline, totally. different skills that you apply uh -huh. to business. So I think I fully, you're using it. I fully, fully agree with that. Yes, I completely agree. Um, not only for college, but like I was a D1 collegiate athlete as well. A lot of my discipline, um, my just understanding about people's skills, how to work as a team, understanding that, you know, people are different and, you know, they don't understand what you say. and You got to say things different ways to different people for comprehension and understanding. Like that all came from my sports background. Um, so I wouldn't have been able to compete on that level had it not been for my collegiate degree. So I, you know, maybe one day I'll get back to it. I have a kinesiology um, degree and I really love the idea of understanding the human body. And I mean, maybe a little bit gets pulled with Layla's um, condition too. Maybe someday, you know, she might need some, some extra therapies or something and I'll be able to whip my degree out. Oh, but, there you go. So we'll have to see. <laughs> Might need a little refresher, but yeah. Oh my gosh, yeah, it's been so long. <laughs> so, okay, so I got to ask, 
You, yeah. when you first started, right, you say uh -huh. you wanted, you felt bad for the clients, you wanted to comp them yeah. and all that. So <laughs> did you not learn the proper way in school? What, what is, why did you think? Did you um, it was just a different time. So yes, we were taught the right techniques, um, application, um, blue proportions, adhesives, things like that. The issue was what was available on the market. So the type of product, um, how heavy it was, the idea between weight and diameter for the natural lash and why it shed, or even things as simple as cleansing the lashes. Back in the day, um, not a lot was known about the main ingredient of the adhesive for lash extensions. So a lot of the aftercare advice that we were giving to our clients was, hey, you know what? we're not sure. So let's just not wash your lashes for 24, 48 hours. Ooh. Today, that's disgusting, number one. And number two, <laughs> today we know that the main ingredient is actually acrylic base, which acrylic hardens with water. So it kind of needs that water. And to get the fumes washed off the lash line immediately is so beneficial because now we're able to kind of prevent these sensitivity issues that pop up um, from time to time with certain clients. Um, and just give them a safer lash set and one that they're able to kind of take care of properly. So I would just say the industry has changed from back in the day with just the knowledge behind it and um, just understanding more about the products that we're using, not so much the techniques or doing things improper. You know, cross-bonding is still and always was a huge no-no in the industry and always being properly trained and going to a certified and licensed professional. Like those are all kind of the staples that the industry is still founded on. Yeah. Yeah. And so as you were growing the business and as you were learning about these advancements and uh -huh. your team and yourself better and more efficient, um, what mm -hmm. habit or skill during that time has really propelled you forward? Um, I would have to definitely say that, you know, just I'm really interested in making sure that I'm providing the top-notch service for our clients and understanding everything about them. Just dealing with the public, I have learned that you really have to know your stuff. You have to be prepared for every situation and just understand that clients are going to have questions. You have to know the answers, but if you don't, being transparent with them and, you know, just letting them know the truth, you know, Hey, I'm not really sure about that, but let me look into that and I'll get back to you in you know a day or two with that answer. You know, they really appreciate that you're going to the length to figure out their problem and that you care about them, you know, and I just really think that that's helped me really just propel forward. But I mean, other ones that I kind of see too, is I'm just obnoxiously scheduled and positive. I like, I sometimes annoy myself with it. Like I get it. Some people just need to vent and stuff, but I'm always that person that's like, okay, yeah, that happened. But here's like the positive of it. Here's the learning, you know, the learning step from it. And this is what I'm not going to do next time. So I really feel like that has been a huge, um, a huge factor in going forward with my business as well is because my goal is not to make the same mistake twice or even make the same mistake that's similar to anything twice. Um, and just to learn from every situation. And I really just think that just keeping myself on a schedule, knowing what I'm doing, what, how long I'm going to be doing it really just helps keep me focused and making sure that I'm not missing anything. Not to say that I don't, I do have some flip ups and life happens, but just my schedule really is, is something that really has been beneficial as well for me personally. Perfect. And I know that, so to touch on your first point about being transparent, uh -huh. you know, I feel yeah. people People know. People can see if you're guessing or if you don't know the answer. So you might as well yeah. just say, I'll find out, right? It just adds like Oh, totally. And then that second point that you have, there was, a, there was an anecdote that one of my guests said that this interviewer was asking this millionaire, hey, uh, how did you become successful? He said, the right decisions. How did you get the right decisions? Mm -hmm. Through failure. Or no, through, failure. Experiences, yes. through experiences. And then how did you get the experiences? Through the wrong decisions. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, just like you said, don't make the same mistake twice because then you're not learning. Yep. The first time. So totally. I agree with you. Yep. Yep. So then this next one is about kind of the self-development running a business. I'm sure you uh -huh. took some advice from other people, but do you have any yeah. podcast book or influential figure that you recommend to our listeners? You know what? Like when I started my business, podcasts weren't uh, something that I knew about. I don't want to say they weren't huge because I don't, I don't know that information. It was just something that I wasn't, it wasn't available to me at the time. And 
the things that I really did was I reached out to people that I had known that were in similar industries. So like my mom, my mom owned a hair salon for 37 years. And if I got stuck or anything, I bounced a lot of ideas off of her. I'm sorry. Full circle. Oh, totally. Yes. Yes. And her whole thing was like, you're never going to be in this industry. It's too hard on your body. (laughs) And here I am doing it. It's crazy. Um, But she's super proud. And like, she's been so helpful with like, just any questions I have, or just even like, you know, calming me down, allowing me to see like a different side of something that I might be like fixated on. Like it's been really helpful, but I mean, I'm so grateful for the podcast world now because reading has been something that was so important to me my whole life. I love books, like whether it's, you know, how-to books or professional books or just really just entertainment books, you know, something that you want to just sit down with a John Grisham and just lose your time, you know, and so I really, I was a reader and ever since my business has been growing for the last, you know, three to five years, I really haven't been able to read as much, which is a blessing because I'm busy with work, but I do miss it. Um, so podcasts have been huge because, you know, I'm able to pop on and listen to, you know, podcasts from the industry, just like, you know, your podcast, like masters of life, like that's so awesome. Like getting to know different people from different genres. Like, it's just cool to hear like-minded people doing things that you might be interested in or seeing things from a different perspective and really just being like, you know what, that's a cool idea. I didn't think to look at it that way, or even just learning from their mistakes and like what to avoid. Um, the Lash Industry actually has a couple of different podcasts. Um, you know, the first one is Lashcast podcast and um, Lash Boss Radio and The Lashpreneur. Those ones, I mean, they're all about just spreading awareness, education, helpful tips and tricks, bringing people in that have been there, done that, letting these younger generation lash artists hear these experiences and what these other artists, these old old school artists have gone through like things to avoid and just learn from them. And I just think that it's really cool because you can pop it on when you're driving and you don't even have to like make time for it. You know, it just fits right in your day. So I think it's a cool thing that's happened, but um, like for my business, I didn't use too much of it. Um, I, I do, I do have one that kind of pertains to my personal life and you know, that, that one is the love language. And I kind of talk about that book a lot because it didn't just help me with like my relationship with Patrick, but it helped me understand who I am as a person and kind of how I relate to people and those that are closest to me, like understanding my own love language and like what really makes me feel valued and, and loved really has allowed me to kind of attract a similar circle and people that kind of validate that and give that to me and understand that not everybody is the same though, and not to kind of hold that against them. If that makes sense, it kind of opened my eyes up to, um, a lot more different, I'm sorry, a lot of different um, variations of people, I guess, is what I should say. Yeah, I mean, it's just the interpretation of how you, how you accept love, right? And how you value things. Yeah. So um, I wanted to kind of take a step back here, because the podcasts that you mentioned were um, revolving around lashes. Do you have podcasts that are revolving around um, cosmetology as a whole or esthetician? as a whole? Because I know there's different sections. I don't. I don't. And you know why? This is why. Because the aesthetic and cosmetology world are two separate entities at this point. Yes, it's all under one license, lashes and, you know, aesthetics or cosmetology. But the state board really has not done a great job about incorporating lashes into the schools. And your girlfriend might be able to talk to you about this. You know, Aveda has to go in, hire out a separate company to come in and teach that program. A lot of schools don't do that. So right now in the aesthetic world, we're kind of seen as like the separate entity, but yet it's still under the same umbrella license, which is interesting. So a lot of the podcasts that are available are specifically for the lash industry and not so much as like the aesthetic world as a whole. Um, You will hear a lot of people on those podcasts, though, you know, you have to be licensed, you have to go the right route, you make sure that you're doing the right steps and, you know, getting your schooling. But aside from that, that's kind of a, that's it, really. Oh, I did not know that. Okay. Yeah. So like ATOL is really working heavily with the Nevada State Board right now. Um, we, um, I just did a presentation a couple of weeks ago with them about safety and sanitation and the things that the state board is missing and lacking. And, um, you know, the, the compliance department asked me to come in and help them make changes to the laws and regulations for lash extensions in Las Vegas. 
So I was really honored to do that and put together that presentation for them. And I was really excited for the state board because they're all about this new movement of making sure that the public, I'm sorry, not the public, the licensed individuals for aesthetics and cosmetology understand that the board is there to help them and guide them. Um, but, you know, when they're so outdated and they don't know what's right and, the you know, the licensed individual can't get the right information for their industry, you know, in this case, flashes we're kind of left in this weird circle where, well, the, you know, the board doesn't regulate how I clean my makeup brushes, but I know that they have to be clean, but I don't know what the right way of doing it is. And so now we're kind of like in this unknown. So just giving them the tools to be able to regulate the industry for things that they maybe not be aware of at the time, because the lash industry has grown so much in the last 10 years. So it was just kind of a cool experience. And um, I just want to put it out there that the board was doing a lot of new changes and trying to um, step up their game for, for regulating the lash industry. And, you know, it would be really cool to see one day that there is an individual lash license on the state board level, kind of like how there is the nail license. Um, I think that would be really cool because I, I do feel like, like for me, for instance, when I moved from Toronto, I did not have an aesthetic or cosmetology license. When I moved to Las Vegas, I had to go to school. I didn't really have a lot of interest in learning anything about facials or waxing. I knew how to do lashes. I was good at lashes. I love lashes. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of people out there that are doing that, that really want that same experience. And to go to school, pay $18,000, not learn one thing about lash extensions, that's crazy to me. And then you get a license that tells, you know, the public that you are licensed to do the service that you didn't receive any training on. Right. And then if you want to do the training, you have to pay anywhere from a thousand dollars to, if you go to, you know, expert level, you know, you, you're paying up to $6,000 to learn the service on top of the $18,000 you just spent on school. It's crazy to me. It, it needs to be its own license. And yeah, yeah. And it's not that they're doing it on purpose. It just happened overnight. And the everybody when I tell you everybody thought lash extensions were going to be a trend they were going to come in and go out and it was just going to be like it never happened every every and uh law enforcement like thought that for the aesthetic board like they just didn't think it was going to stick around so that's kind of why it's gotten out of hand but you know I find positivity in the fact that the board is really working tirelessly on regulating it properly and they're looking for new ways of you know making sure that this industry stays safe for the general public and you know, kind of just seeing what they can do as far as maybe making a, a lash license um, down the line. But I know that part takes uh, takes place in Carson City. That's not something that the, mm -hmm. um, the Las Vegas location can handle. Yep. Yep. And so uh, in one of your interviews, you know, you mentioned that you really like lashes because women can wake up and still feel confident, <laughs> right? They don't have to do yes. anything. And so it's, it's, it's impossible to be a trend if something that powerful can make women feel that way. Yeah, it's never going away. When you can change the way that a woman feels about herself and like also give back that time in the, in the morning that she has to spend getting ready, that's invaluable. Like a woman, to like a obviously, too, they say, yeah, yes. <laughs> <laughs> they, they just, yeah, they just um, love the service. Uh, and, and, you know, it's really intimate as well. We see our clients more than we see, than they see their friends. Once you get into your adult life, you know, life happens. You don't really hang out with your friends more, but we see our clients every two, three weeks. So, you know, the fact that we can just give them that confidence and know that they're ready at a moment's notice, it's invaluable. Yeah. So I want to talk about, because the story that you just told about the state board, I think that is yeah. really valuable because it's, it, it can focus on all different um, entrepreneurs and all different uh, industries because mm -hmm. you're trying to make a change. Um, I want, I want mm -hmm. you to let our listeners know, did you reach out to the state board? The state board reached out to you? Yes, I did. I reached out to the state board. I had some concerns on a community level, um, and I was just wondering if there were things that they were aware of. Um, were they able to, what, what could we provide to them? Did they need help? You know, things like that. I actually did this with a very good friend of mine, Jasmine from Sheiks and City uh, Lash Extension Salon who's about five minutes from my salon here in Las Vegas. And I know that sounds silly, mm. you know, two competing lash artists coming together. But I think what it did to the board was it kind of gave them a wake up call. Like, wow, there's two artists in our building right now talking about safety and sanitation and regulation that are competitors. And they're coming together for, you know, the goodness of the community, the lash community, and just wanting, you know, just some changes to be made. So I think that really 
made them take us seriously. And then from there, just the conversation continued and they actually reached out to me about doing the, the presentation for them. And then they've asked me to, um, you know, just to speak on behalf of the industry at a couple board meetings coming up too. And I think Jasmine's going to do that as well in July. So we're just really excited about being advocates for, for the industry and just making sure that it's going to continue to go and grow in the right direction. And not only just for one company or one artist, but for the industry as, as a whole, because as competitive as I was at that D1 softball level, I know how to win and I am a competitor, but I can also understand when the greater good is at risk and when you have to come together and you can really achieve more when you work as a team. And so that's what Jazz and I are doing. And I think that goes along with the, the last question of, of habit and skill. I think it's a skill in itself to be competitive and not to settle when you're frustrated. And, you know, a lot of mm-hmm. people are going to say, oh, this is just how it's been and this is how it's always going to be. And so yeah. I think that's a powerful story. And I think it's going to teach a lot of people to take action when they're not happy with their current state. So, this I think ne- so too, yeah. Yeah. And so this next question is more about um, business. Or really okay. just also self-development, but what is the best investment that you've made? doesn't have to be financial. Oh, um, the best investment that I've made would probably just be in, my, in myself. I'm not, I'm, <laughs> I'm from the Midwest, first of all. I grew up very much like your accomplishments will speak for themselves. You don't need to be boastful. You don't need to speak about it. It will shine on its own. And while I agree to that to some point, I feel like the older you get, and especially in today's world, you do have to, for lack of a better term, toot your own horn a little bit. You have to tell people, this is what I'm doing, and this is why I'm passionate about. You have to tell them your why. You have to tell them your story. And so for me, that was extremely hard because I'm not very good about talking about myself. I know it doesn't seem like it right now. I've been talking for like (laughs) a half hour, but... (laughs) I didn't say anything. But I learned that. And I, I learned about that with my PR team. And I invested in them because I felt like it would really help me to get myself out there more. And so I did a lot of interviews. I chose a really awesome team, Perspective Marketing. They're amazing. They give me opportunities that I never would have dreamed of having. And through that decision, it really helped me become more I wouldn't say confident because I was always confident, but I was just not confident about speaking about myself. Like if you ask me if I could get a job done, yeah, I can get it done and I can probably do it the best. <laughs> but I, I needed, I, I was really bad about, you know, kind of that selling myself portion. So for me, it was important to invest in myself and, and bring this team on and have them teach me how to do that and how to do it in the right way. Because image to me is very important. I don't ever want to be taken as somebody that's, you know, tooting their own horn. Like I said, I want it to be in a way that is authentic and you can hear my why and what's driving me to be successful and kind of where I'm coming from, you know, and all of that comes from my family and wanting to provide for them and give them everything and just make them proud of me. And I didn't want that to be taken the wrong way. So um, my PR team has helped me a lot with that and just doing it the right way, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's the perfect segue into the next question because the question is how to build strong relationships. So yeah, yeah, go for it. Yeah. um, I, I'm, I have like just a checklist that I, I think that would be important to building a strong relationship. And I mean, for me, it's commitment. Um, you know, your relationship, whether it's personal or professional, um, it goes through a season, you know, and there's highs and lows to it, but you can't give up when things go wrong or not. You know, if somebody's going through something, you don't, you don't just run out on them. You, you stay there, you, you're there for them, you know, you help them through that time you commit and that's, you know, that's your commitment to them and they're making that commitment to you. And when you have that, you really are able to build that really strong relationship where you know like that that person, your rock and vice versa, and it'll get you through those tough times. Um, another one would just be present, you know. It's one thing to just say, yeah, I'm there for you. How are you? You know, the generic text messages, but mm-hmm. it's another thing to be present and like demand those answers from people and like really get in there and, and get personal. And I think that today it's really easy to get lost in the cell phone and not making those personal presence connections with people and 
I feel like a huge one is just making sure that we get back to the root of, you know, relationships, which is communication and honoring your word and, um, you know, reciprocating. If somebody's there for you, do it for them. Like, you know, just that's so rare. Like, um, you know, we, we really run into a lot of issues with people only want some stuff for you. And, you know, if you find that you're reciprocating, but they're not, that's not the relationship for you. You know, that commitment may be ending and it's time to move on. So just being able to see that value in the relationship as well is helpful. Um, and then I would just say like doing the little things, like they matter the most because, you know, sometimes you're not going to be able to do the big things, just timing or, you know, things pop up. But if you're there consistently with the little things, you know, that's really what people need is just the day-to-day -day, uh, commitment from you. And then, you know, of course you have like being honest and allowing and supporting people to grow, not holding them back, pushing them to be their best selves. And I think for me, the last thing is just saying it like communication. Like, I don't know what you're thinking. You don't know what I'm thinking. You have to feel safe and talk to me. I have to feel safe and talk to you. And when that happens, you know, you really are able to grow your relationship into something that's going to be strong and, you know, withstand, you know, the, the time, honestly, in my opinion. Oh my God. I love that. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so good. And it's just, you know, when I have different guests on, you know, they talk about, uh -huh. they have certain things, but you really kind of bullet pointed it and then described each and every single one. And yeah. I think it, it elaborates on one of my other guests, Lisa Golikova. Mm -hmm. She, she uh -huh. puts it as, to build strong relationships, be a grateful communicator. And I think that's yeah. going along with what you're saying is, you know, don't be so one-sided, one right? Be grateful yeah. when you're talking to somebody and that they have something to teach you and that you can yeah. make the relationship and break down those walls. So I agree. Amazing, amazing. Okay, so <laughs> what is your favorite way to de-stress? Oh, that one's easy. My family. Like, my kids are one and four. They don't get work stress. They don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> they don't know why mommy's in a bad mood. So I immediately have to check my, my problems at the door when I get home. And oddly enough, I don't stress about it. Once I put that timeline on myself, when I'm working, I'm working. And when I'm home with my family, I'm home with my family. And I try to stick with that. And when I do, I really feel my shoulders relax. I really am able to distress. And you know what? It also gives me a clearer mind for when I have to get back to that stressor or that work issue. And I have to, you know, address it later on, maybe after the girls go to bed. Um, but I'm able to look at it from a different perspective. And um, my husband gives me that. And my kids give me that. And before my kids, I had my little fur babies. And you know, I knew that, you know, they, they were there for me with their little cuddles and their licks, but it's something just knowing that, you know, my kids are young and they don't really understand why mommy's upset that, you know, a client wasn't happy with her service or anything like that. They just want to go play in the pool or they want to just go play tag or show me the art project that they made today with our awesome babysitter. So <laughs> it's, um, it's my favorite way to be stressed. And honestly, it's, my go-to way to distress because I know it happens almost instantaneously when I, when I walk in the door and I see them, I'm just so excited. And they are too. Oh my God. One in a million. There's no, nobody does it. <laughs> nobody can just turn it off a switch and just forget about the day. <laughs> that is crazy. Okay. So then the I, baby's help. It helps so much. <laughs> is that what you're suggesting to people? Yeah. It's just, everybody have kids. No, I'm just kidding. Don't okay. do that. <laughs> there you go. You heard it here. Molly O'Brien, everybody. And yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so oh, goodness. Um, when your kids get to um, of age, when they start growing, yeah. getting out of college, if they decide to, what advice would you give to someone that just got out and just entering the real world? I think about this a lot. And I'm in a position where I'm able to deal with people um, uh, that are much younger than me. So I think about this when you know, I'm having an interview or I'm with a new hire or something like that. I'm like, gosh, what am I going to tell my kids on how to be a good hire, how to be a good employee or how to be a good entrepreneur? You know, what am I going to say to them? And I know they're so young, so it sounds silly. But again, I think it's because I'm in that role. So I, it's always on kind of like the back of my, my thought process. But I would definitely just say, I would tell them, you know what, girls, like know your role. If you're new, you're new and be new, like learn, soak up the information, find a mentor, um, absorb everything that people are telling you, the good, 
take note of the bad and don't do it, you know, grow from other people's mistakes and use your time wisely. You know, don't be playing, you know, video games when you could be researching or, or volunteering or donating your time. Like your boss is going to notice when you go the extra mile. Or, or listening to but, podcasts. Or, or listening, listening to podcasts. To podcasts. Yes, definitely. Yes, listen to your podcast in your car. Exactly. Yeah, the, the things that I really have noticed or have learned along the way, they're just things that I'm kind of making a mental checklist to tell them when they get in these positions. And just the biggest thing is like finding a mentor, never stop learning growing and yeah you do that through podcasts definitely I agree with that and books and um you know, experiences go and experience and and just have have that time with you know your boss where you're like what do you expect of me what is my role how can I grow in this company learn to talk about money know your worth how to ask for raise what would determine a raise and what wouldn't what are the things that you need to do to earn that you know just just things that are really going to propel them in, in their careers, whatever they end up being. That's a huge thing. I mean, right now, especially with women, um, mm-hmm. having the, uh, the kind of the guts to ask even just your coworkers, yep. what are they making? Your male counterparts, yep. what are they making? So that you can yep. do the, you can have those conversations with your higher ups. Yeah. And I mean, to follow up that conversation, you definitely need to make sure that you're doing those things to warrant a raise. Like if you're not, it's not just you're entitled to this raise right, because right. you were here for X amount of time. You need to prove, show, and make that raise worth it. So yeah, yeah that's important. Mm-hmm. Yep. Totally agree. And I think um, yeah. the quote fits perfectly is ego is not your amigo. So <laughs> don't ever. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> And so I kind of want to uh, branch off that question, also an advice question, but what advice would you give to somebody, like for example, my girlfriend or really a newly graduated esthetician or cosmetologist, what yeah. advice would you give to that person? Yeah, so I actually end my, my business little demo with the students with that piece of advice. And it's just find a mentor, find a circle of friends that you can bounce ideas off and find a mentor that's going to help guide you that really wants to help you see things through and you just have to keep putting yourself out there and taking that risk of rejection because you're going to learn something from every rejection letter that you're going to get you're going to learn something from every no that you're told change it up and then finally when you're ready you're going to be told yes and you're going to actually be more prepared for it than you were if you were told yes from the beginning and it's just really important just to your circle of friends, like you really have to have somebody that's there to support you and just tell you when you're not doing the right things. like have the right people around you that are like-minded, but also that are bold enough and trust you enough to tell you like it is. But vice versa, you have to also be able to accept that. You can't just always want the good. You have to be able to accept the bad and tell your friends, hey, thank you for that advice. I'm really going to look into that. Maybe check myself on that. So it's, um, it's a lot more than just, you know, you graduated, you got your 900 hours, here's your certificate, you passed the board. Now what are you going to do? You know, school really only prepares you to pass the board. You have to figure out what your passion is in this industry. What direction are you going to go in? Who are you going to work for? What is your goal? But how are you going to get there? You know, you can't just send in a resume and think you're going to compete with everybody else if you don't have the backing, you know, to make that employer want to pick you. So you really have to go the extra mile, follow up with, um, you know, resumes that you throw out there, let them know, you know, who you are, what you're going to do for their company. And again, toot your own horn in it, because sometimes people take a risk on you, um, even if your resume doesn't line up, but it really comes down to just preparing yourself for that moment, for that yes to come. And I think it all comes down to just continuing to push yourself to learn, to educate and having a good mentor and a really good circle of friends around you. Especially with all the competition going on now. Thousand percent. Yeah, my gosh. Mm-hmm. So you're talking about mentors. So mm-hmm. can you tell our listeners about a time when someone, for example, maybe a mentor gave you an opportunity mm-hmm. or gave you a leap of faith that really changed the outcome of your life or your perfect. Yeah, I think I would have to, no, no, I, I, I have one for this. It's just going to go really far back. And then I have a little more, uh, one that will pertain to my industry too. But I would say, you know, right when I was applying for colleges, I was a D1 college athlete. I, I got an offer up to a D2 school and I vibed well with the coach. I really liked it. It was just so small. It wasn't what I saw for myself. So I was 
almost settling, you know, because it was getting late in the game for um, signing your commitment letter and your letter of intent with the NCAA. And I wasn't really sure, but uh, right before I was supposed to sign, um, the Bradley University coach got in touch with my high school softball coach, Coach Bob Pettit, and my dad, who was also my softball coach in high school. And, you know, they needed a pitcher outfielder that was a lefty slapper, and that was me. And so, you know, I wasn't their first choice. It wasn't who they wanted at, at originally, and something happened. And, you know, she called, she took a chance on me, and I, I was so grateful. Honestly, it changed, it changed my life, I think, honestly, because, you know, I proved her right. It showed me that I could step up to that moment and really show somebody that, you know what, you made the right choice. I was their starter. I, I only missed one game in my career because I hurt my thigh. And that was it. I was committed. I was dedicated. It was my goal to prove to my coach that she made the right decision in me. And it really changed my life because it allowed me to meet my husband, not at the time, but um, I started dating my husband uh, freshman year. So that kind of ties into moving up to Toronto with Patrick after he was um, drafted. And that's where I learned how to do lashes. And lashes are now what I'm doing now. And you know, I'll have a business and it's thriving and I'm able to provide for my family when my husband, you know, had to retire and come home and help take care of our family. So it's come full circle. And I really think had, you know, Coach Venus not taken a chance on maybe not going with her first choice for that recruit for that year, um, my life might have been a little bit different. And who knows what I would have been doing, but I'm very, very grateful and happy and excited that she did. Awesome. Okay. And then you had a, you had I have a, an old one. <laughs> yeah. You had another one? Um, I actually tied it in. So the other one was my husband. Like he, he took, he really, he, I remember his expression when I told him I wanted to take this lash course. He was like, huh? <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't get it. <laughs> so, I mean, he took a leap of faith with me too. He paid for my lash course. He allowed me to take it. He's allowed me to kind of do me and maybe not be so present in our relationship when I needed to focus on work. And he's trusted me to know that this was something really, really cool and that people were going to really follow through on, even though it looked like in the beginning, it wasn't going to, you know, prove to be true, but he really took a chance on the lash industry with me and he trusted me. He trusted my opinion. He valued what I'm doing in this world. And, you know, I really wouldn't be doing lashes if it wasn't for Patrick. So I, I definitely credit him a thousand times over and he is the best male lash supporter that I can think of. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. It seems like you both took a leap of faith too. So even you yes, took a leap I think so. knowing where this would go. Um, yeah, definitely. So this we're, we're kind of wrapping up here, but yeah. uh, lifelong goal, I guess, what is the next step for Molly? I mean, like all of the other questions, this isn't just one answer. It's a couple, you know, it's, I really want to be respected in my field of expertise. I really want to be seen as an expert. I work very hard at, you know, trying to evolve our industry and make it safe and continue with the practices that we know to be true and to help evolve and change the ones that maybe aren't that need to be uh, revised. I really want to continue to impact others around me, not just in my field, but friends, family, supporters, uh, employees, you know, just to impact their lives in a positive way, whether it's just supporting them or giving them opportunities to thrive in business. So I want to grow my business. I want to continue to expand. I see ATOL maybe doing like a franchise in the future where we're able to give women the opportunity to take control over their financial futures, train them, and then own the business and open it for themselves and be business owners and you know, have that, that pride in their work and their business. Yeah. And then of course, like on a personal level, like I work every day very hard to make sure that my husband and my children are happy and feel loved and looked after. And I just, I really want them to, to know that I'm working hard every day at that, even when maybe I'm not so present because I have to be more focused on work. It's still, it's still because I have them and the greater good in, in the back of my mind. Oh my God, Molly, you sound so, so genuine. <laughs> like I, I feel... Thank you. And I really am. I hope I'm coming off that way because that's truly how I feel and, and, and how I live my life, honestly, is just, you know, being genuine and help, helping others and just, you know, really trying to, to better those around me. And it's because I've had such a wonderful upbringing and I have a lovely family and I was 
raised in a way that, you know, you do good and good comes back to you. So I really want to keep putting that vibe out there. Man, I don't even know if I should ask the last question because you kind of just answered it, right? But yeah. I guess I'll ask you yeah. in a nutshell, Molly, okay. what are you grateful for? My tribe. I'm thankful for my tribe and every single person that's come into my life, every opportunity, I, I just lead a very grateful, humble life. And I try to just make sure that those that, you know, do impact me, that I do that back to them. And I'm very grateful for everything that, you know, everyone has given me negative and positive. Perfect. All right. So lastly, um, yes. I know that our listeners took a lot of value from it and I know that I took a lot of it, a lot from it. Thank you. So where Thank you. people learn more about you or uh, get in contact with you? Yeah. So we're all over social media. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Um, our handle is at a touch of lash. Um, my personal is 11 M O B 11. You can follow my journey personally with Layla and Tessa and Patrick as we do life. <laughs> and my website is the name of the company, a touch of lash.com. We have lots of information on how to learn to be a lash artist, the cool things that ATOL is doing, our product lines on there, classes, uh, services, of course, are on there as well. Yeah. And then we're located in the southwest part of Las Vegas. So we're over on Rainbow and Windmill. And the name of the company is a touch of lash. Oh, by the uh, the crossing, but the church, the crossing. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So that's really close to us. That's on uh, Buffalo and uh, Windmill, I think. So yeah, we're really close to that. Oh, okay. I know exactly where that is. There's... Yes. Yes. Anybody that like wants to come in and, and book a service, uh, we offer um, $20 off for anybody that's listening to the podcast and books with the uh, Masters of Life discount code. So it's $20 off your service. Uh, we do waxing, we do spray tan, we do brow and lash tinting, we do lash extensions, and I don't know if that's a permanent makeup, but we do permanent makeup too. <laughs> All right, and that's it. Thanks, Molly. Yay. Well, guys, that wraps up today's episode of the Masters of Life podcast. I want to thank you guys for joining us, and I hope you took really valuable notes. Take action, subscribe, share, let people know. And we'll see you again next week. Let's get it. Let's go right here on the Masters of Life podcast.